Welcome to episode 321 of the Intermittent Fasting Podcast. If you want to burn fat, gain energy, and enhance your health by changing when you eat, not what you eat, with no calorie counting, then this show is for you. I'm Melanie Avalon, biohacker, author of What, When, Why, and creator of the supplement line Avalon X. And I'm here with my co-host, Vanessa Spina, sports nutrition specialist, author of Keto Essentials, and creator of the Tone Breath Ketone Analyzer and Tone Lux Red Light Therapy Panels. For more on us, check out ifpodcast.com, melanieavalon.com, and ketogenicgirl.com. Please remember, the thoughts and opinions on this show do not constitute medical advice or treatment. To be featured on the show, email us your questions to questions at ifpodcast.com. We would love to hear from you. So pour yourself a mug of black coffee, a cup of tea, or even a glass of wine, if it's that time, and get ready for the Intermittent Fasting Podcast. Hi, friends. I'm about to tell you how to get my favorite electrolytes for free, plus special announcement, Element's new chocolate medley is here. So when you think electrolytes, you might think summer and hot times and needing to stay hydrated. But did you know that hydration is actually super important in cold weather as well? There's an idea out there that cold weather reduces our hydration needs. That's not true. So in the cold, two main things can actually increase our metabolic rate. You may be working harder, tramping through the snow, and you can be wearing cumbersome winter clothing that can actually raise your energy needs by 10 to 20%. And as your metabolic rate raises, your sweat rate raises, and you need to replace those fluids with electrolytes. You also lose more water when it's cold through your breath. That's because cold temperatures contain significantly less water than hot temperatures, aka it's drier outside. When you breathe in that cold, dry air, your respiratory system actually acts like a humidifier so that your body can be warm and humid like it likes to be. Of course, that drains your hydration reserves as well. One study actually found that respiratory water loss after a full day of activity nearly doubled at freezing temperatures compared to the 70s. On top of that, when you're cold, you actually become less thirsty, possibly from blood vessel constrictions in the cold, which can trick the body into thinking the blood volume is higher than it is. In other words, it's cold out there. You probably need hydration. And electrolytes are so key for all of these cellular processes in your body, all of your energy production. It all requires electrolytes, but it can be hard to find electrolytes, which are clean, without unnecessary fillers, and which you can feel good about drinking. That's why I love Element. There's a reason I'm obsessed with it. There's a reason all you guys are as well. And like I said, I'm so excited because Element's new chocolate medley is here featuring chocolate mint, chocolate chai, and chocolate raspberry. And this is a limited time, so you definitely want to stock up on these now. Plus, you can get a free gift with purchase when you purchase that chocolate medley or other Element electrolytes. That's right. You can get a free sample pack, eight single serving packets for free with any Element order. It's a great way to try all eight flavors or share Element with a salty friend. You can get yours at drinklmnt.com slash ifpodcast. That's drinklmnt.com slash ifpodcast. By the way, those chocolates in that chocolate medley make delicious hot chocolates. And of course, as always, Element has a no questions asked refund, so you have nothing to lose. So go to drinklmnt.com slash podcast to get your free electrolytes.
One more thing before we jump in. Did you know that common ingredients found in skincare and makeup products can actually disrupt your endocrine system? These endocrine disruptors are a silent threat that can have significant impact on your health, including something that is very important to me, fertility. Your skin is your body's largest organ and what you put on it matters. Endocrine disruptors are chemicals that interfere with the natural hormonal communication in the body. It also matters during pregnancy. And that's one of the reasons I pay close attention to what I put on my skin while being pregnant. Studies have shown that exposure to endocrine disruptors can affect both male and female fertility. For women, these disruptors can lead to irregular menstrual cycles, ovulation issues, and even polycystic ovarian syndrome or PCOS. In men, they can reduce sperm quality and quantity, making it even more challenging to conceive. But it's not just about fertility. When it comes to fat loss, one of the reasons that endocrine disruptors can get in the way of fat loss is because a lot of our toxins are actually stored in our fat. It's a way that our bodies protect us from those toxins. These toxic compounds can even work synergistically, amplifying their harmful effects and making it that much harder to shed unwanted body fat. All of these reasons are why I am obsessed with a company called Beauty Counter. The founder actually started the company when she learned about the potential dangers of toxic chemicals and their link to health issues, specifically miscarriages and infertility. While pregnant, I make sure to only use Beauty Counter products. It's one of the only makeup lines that is officially recommended from the Environmental Working Group. What really sets Beauty Counter apart is their unwavering commitment to protecting us, the consumer consumers from the hidden dangers that lurk in conventional beauty products. Beauty Counter goes above and beyond, rigorously screening every single ingredient that goes into their products, ensuring that they are safe, clean, and free from harmful toxins. They're not just a beauty brand, they're a movement for change, advocating for stronger regulations in the beauty industry. With Beauty Counter, I know that I can trust that the skincare and makeup that I use are not only effective, but also safe for me and my family. They have skincare lines for every skin type, as well as so many other incredible products. I absolutely love their overnight resurfacing peel. It's my favorite way to get anti-aging benefits in a skincare product. The makeup is absolutely amazing. I have tried alternative beauty products in the past and none of them truly performed. But with Beauty Counter, the foundation is so amazing. It makes me feel like my skin can breathe and it looks so dewy and beautiful. You can shop with me at beautycounter.com slash Vanessa Spina. New customers can use the code CLEANFORALL20 for 20% off their first order. Beautycounter.com slash Vanessa Spina. All right, friends, now back to the show. Hi, everybody, and welcome. This is episode number 321 of the Intermittent Fasting Podcast. I'm Melanie Avalon, and I'm here with Vanessa Spina. Hi, everyone. I'm so excited for today's episode. How are you today? I'm doing amazing. How are you? I am good. I'm excited. I started reading your book, which I am embarrassed to say I hadn't actually read yet, and I am loving it. I'm reading yours for your interview on my podcast next week. I'm reading yours for your interview on my podcast in a few weeks. We match. That's so exciting. So you were vegetarian for a long time. Yeah. When I was 16 or it was more towards 17, I just suddenly decided to become vegetarian. And it wasn't until 
I started keto, which was like in my early 30s. I was like, I guess I'm going to go back to eating animal products, but fully because before then, a few years before then, my naturopath in Vancouver, I had been going to see him for a while because I had such low energy levels. Like I didn't feel good in my body at all. I realized later my body composition was getting really poor and he was a full vegan. There's a lot of vegetarian people, like it's a huge community in Vancouver. And he looked at me straight in the eyes. He's like, I think you should start eating animals again. (laughs) And I was like, whoa, you know, this is my vegetarian or vegan doctor telling me. And he's like, just start eating some fish chicken and turkey, like just do like poultry. And I immediately started feeling better. And that's like when I started getting into like intermittent fasting and keto and everything. So I was like, I just, I felt the more iron rich food, the more nutrient dense food I was eating, the better I felt my energy levels started coming back. And, and yeah, then most of my adult life I was vegetarian. So it was a huge, huge change. Because you thought it was healthy or was it a ethical choice or what was the reasoning? For first becoming vegetarian, Mm -hmm. it was partly because I loved animals so much and partly because I thought it would be a good way to lose weight. Like I think a lot of people go vegetarian or plant-based because they're drawn to that aspect of it. And I thought it would be an easy way to maintain weight as well. So it seemed like the perfect combination, you know, and there's also this virtue that you feel when you're vegetarian, like you feel, it's almost like a religious feeling, like you feel so virtuous that you're doing such good things for the planet. And it wasn't until many years later that I realized that there's no diet that's completely death-free, as virtuous as being vegetarian or vegan made me feel at the time. I had a lot of bad facts and misinformation about it. So I applaud anyone who chooses to make that decision for themselves. But my opinion on it now is that it's a privilege to be able to do a vegan diet, especially, which I did for a long time, and a vegetarian diet in a proper way with enough nutritional supplementation. And it really disadvantages people who are below the poverty level or who live in countries where it's like almost impossible to get the kinds of supplements that you need when you're a vegan or vegetarian. To deny those things, I think, to people who are struggling because of some kind of like moral or ethical principle, I have a lot of problems with. <laughs> yeah, I, f- I feel really similar. Yeah, what's your background I think I maybe tried vegetarian for like a week. (laughs) I was like, this is not for me. (laughs) Yeah, that's like my husband. He tried it for like an afternoon. (laughs) I eat a very, very high protein, animal protein diet. And I have for years and years and years. I think it's so, first of all, I I really do support people finding the diet that works for them. Like you do you. I I just get so over the dietary wars and so over it and the virtue signaling that goes with it, especially because I think there's, like you said, there's a lot of misunderstanding, but with a lot of aspects of it, the privilege I do think is a big piece. And also there's just a lot of debate about the act, especially like the environmental concerns. There's a lot of nuance and complexity there that it's confusing because you can read either side and 
walk away very convinced. And so it's hard to know like what's actually happening. I do really love Rob Wolf's book, Sacred Cow. Have you read that book? Yeah, I interviewed him about it a couple years ago. Yes, I, I love We should have him on the show. Yeah, that would be awesome. I was going to email him about something random anyways, so I think I'll invite him back on. Would you be down? Of course. I would love to. I love that man. <laughs> I still like, I've been following him for so long. Like for listeners, literally like you were asking me my, we were talking about origin stories last episode. Rob Wolf is the reason I started doing the paleo diet. So he's had like a huge, huge effect on my life. But yeah, so yeah, long story short, I think it's very complicated and nuanced. And I do think it can be really hard for people to get enough protein and nutrition, especially on like a vegan vegan diet. But I also respect, and I also respect people for their decisions and choices. Can I mention, there's a really interesting paper that just came out. These researchers in Animal Frontiers, they they said that what's really interesting is that the link between red meat and disease is almost eradicated when you combine it with a healthy diet. And it's really actually, they're suggesting that the it's really the rest of the diet that is the cause behind the health issues. Like often the red meat is blamed. And it's a really interesting article. They're saying a thousand academic scientists are saying that meat and protein, animal protein is crucial for human health. And they're calling for an end to the zealotry pushing vegetarian and vegan diets. Speaking of sacred cow, there's a thousand, almost a thousand academics from leading universities around the world signed an initiative that argues that livestock farming is too important to become the victim of zealotry. And they published in the academic journal Animal Frontiers as a part of a collaboration with professional animal science societies and dozens of experts. And they looked at these claims saying that eating red meat causes diseases as well as being harmful for the planet. You know, the, the people that they're really the most concerned with is the people who, like I was saying earlier, are below the poverty line or people who live in poor communities that have a low meat intake. They can't afford to have meat or they're discouraged from eating meat like a lot of schools are instituting like, you know, meatless days in the schools, meatless Mondays. Yeah. And it's like that may be the only time that people from those communities actually get animal protein. These communities often suffer from a lot of nutrient deficiencies and diseases related to that, like stunted growth, wasting and anemia. And this was reported in the Telegraph and, you know, meat Animal protein is responsible for providing B12 vitamins, omega-3 fatty acids, minerals, iron, and zinc, you know, in addition to like organ meats, which we don't even talk about in here. But I I think that they were saying that if you remove fresh meat and dairy from diets, it would lead to more human harm. Women, children, the elderly, and people who live on low income would be particularly negatively impacted. And foods that are derived from livestock, they provide a variety of essential nutrients and other health-promoting compounds, which are lacking in diets even among these populations, the populations with higher income. So 
you know, well-resourced people, they might be able to achieve adequate nutrition while heavily restricting meat, dairy, and eggs, like in a, see in a vegan scenario. But this approach is not something that should be recommended for everyone. And so I, I think they're trying to fight back or push back a little bit on some of the the zealotry. And I'm not saying that every vegetarian and vegan is a zealot. Like I was a vegetarian myself for most of my adult life. And I, I don't think I was a zealot about it. But I now that I've learned so much more about the bioavailability and nutrient density in animal protein and how animal proteins have amino acids that are made for us and plants have amino acids that are made for plants. Although you can, if you can afford to, you can supplement and you can do a vegan or vegetarian diet well. But if you are below the poverty line, it's going to be near impossible and your health is probably more likely to suffer. I could not agree more. Yeah, the concept of the healthy user bias, I think is so, so important. And it's not exactly the same thing, but it's what you were talking about with with a diet that maybe it's not the red meat. That's the problem. It's the other things, you know, with it. And so that's the idea and I think there's been quite a few studies on this with the healthy user bias where basically, I remember there was one study where they looked at, they basically, I would have to find it. The way they did it was they looked at people who shopped at like like Whole Foods or you know certain grocery stores versus not and their red meat consumption and how it affected outcomes. And like all of the health issues with red meat just are gone when you take into account like the whole context of the person. So, and then on the environmental side, Rob Wolf makes a really good case in Sacred Cow that a completely plant-based system would just wreck the planet. I mean, he makes a very compelling case for that. It's not the natural ecosystem of the world. And yeah, just read the book. I'm so happy that he's out there with, I think his co-author was Diana Rogers. I'm so happy that he's out there, she's out there, you know, that Rob is out there speaking about this and, you know, he's doing such a good job with it you know, just to understand the power of regenerative agriculture. And I don't know why farming has been, it seems like farming has been under attack in the last year or two. And it's, it's really sad to see because, you know, we need agriculture, we need regenerative agriculture so much and, and livestock. And it's just all a part of this like greater good for the planet, like you were saying. Yeah. I I think we're so disconnected from our food. And I say this as a disconnected person, like I haven't I haven't, I haven't even gone hunting. So I haven't, I don't have that experience of what goes into that system and, you know, ultimately manifests as food on my, on my plate. And I think we're just so disconnected and I, I don't know, we, we don't really, and I'm tiptoeing a little bit, but I feel like we often think of, especially in the U S like the native American culture as being something that was really in tune with the land and really connected. And we kind of idealized that they were definitely not plant-based, you know, they had like a connection with the land and the animals and understood that it was like a circle of life type thing. I feel like I'm being esoteric right now, but I do think that we just kind of waltz around in this land of ideals without understanding the practical implications of things and unintended consequences. So Yes. And I think, you know, human suffering is also an important factor. And I know for myself, I was suffering a lot when I was denying myself animal protein. And especially with my health and my body composition, and even though I I had resources to supplement, 
you know, since making the change and going back to including animal protein in my diet, I'm not suffering <laughs> on that same level anymore. Like my body composition is is great and I feel like I'm effortlessly lean now from incorporating an optimal amount of protein and, you know, really nutrient dense food. And I really think beef is a superfood. You know, salmon is a superfood. Like why are we always talking about blueberries and kale and spinach? Like the real superfoods are, you know, animal proteins and like I agree we're very disconnected, but I think that it's really important to make sure to include foods that have a lot of high biological value of protein and bioavailability and absorption. It's going to reduce human suffering, which I think is an important factor as well. I agree so much. Also, this might seem a little like woo-woo, but ever since I started growing my own cucumbers in my apartment, which I am looking at right now, (laughs) which I love. That is the cutest thing ever. Do you know about my cucumbers in my apartment? I did not know that you were growing them. Oh, Vanessa, it's a thing. I think I need to start too because cucumbers are my number one like plant food. Oh my goodness. Okay, wait. Okay, so have you heard of Arrow Garden? Yes. I've seen it with tomatoes. Okay, so I am obsessed. I have five units. They come in all different sizes, but the two really big ones that I have, I think it's called like the Farm XL. That's the one, it's about, I'm so bad at gauging height. It's probably four feet high. You can grow tomatoes, cucumbers. So I grow cucumbers and it's right by the window and they grow up my window panes. So they grow like all the way up. I mean, they grow up, they grow high. And it's funny when I first started doing it, (laughs) when I first started doing it, oh, and oh, it's so crazy. Okay, Vanessa, you have to grow cucumbers because they're so like cute. They have these little tendrils to like grab onto things. So they like, go and they like grab onto the windows and they like wave their way up things. When it first started, like the cucumbers started trying to grow onto the windows and I was like, stop. And I would like pull them away and like try to make them stay in their, their little farm. And I just let them do their thing. And yeah. So they go up like 10 feet. The point is (laughs) you would love it so much. I need to do it because I'm obsessed with cucumbers, like large, normal size cucumbers and small cucumbers or pickles like when I discovered that pickles were small cucumbers, I was like, oh my God, this is makes so much sense. They're like my two favorite plant foods. One is just a smaller version. So I would love to actually do that. Pete's been wanting to do plant boxes like in our garden. So Oh, outside? Yeah, like you set up a box, you know, it's and you fill it with soil. So I think I think maybe we should do it this summer with the cucumbers. I just always thought like, how could I keep up with like my cucumber, my demand for cucumbers? Cause also Luca loves them too. So yeah, we go through, we go through a lot of them. Like I'm constantly peeling cucumbers. I mean, I buy like pounds and pounds of cucumbers. I, and I get asked so often people on, on Instagram, like will DM me all the time. They're like, what do you do with those cucumbers? I just eat them because I, I go to Costco and I buy like a lot. <laughs> I, I can't tell you how many times I've been asked, how do you eat them and how long does it take you to eat those? Because I'll buy probably like, mm, let's see, mm, 15, I'll buy like 50 at a time, the really big ones, and I eat them pretty fast. I love that. I use them for everything. Like when people, when I was like, I used to make my turkey or chicken liver pate all the time on my Instagram stories. And the number one question I would get is, how, what do you eat this with? And I'm like, well, you can do pork rinds 
or cucumbers make amazing crackers. I use, whenever we have people over, dehydrate them. We have people over, just fresh cucumber slices make an amazing cracker because it like balances out, you know, the, the, I guess the texture of the pate, but you can also use them for other things like salmon dip, or like if you make, you know, any kinds of dips or things like it's actually quite nice to have a cracker. That's not like super dry, but it, it works so well, like just for a delivery <laughs> device for like pate or dips or things. Yeah. It's cucumbers are amazing. They're so refreshing. They're so packed with water and yeah, they're just, I'm a huge fan. <laughs> I'm going to start growing them to you. Well, just really quick to that point, the reason I started eating them. So I love drinking wine, obviously. And so I wanted to find something to like munch on while drinking wine, like before my actual meal. And so I started with lettuce. <laughs> I would like just eat lettuce plain. I was like, lettuce pairs so well with wine because it's hydrating. I can like munch on something. It's like a nice little snack. I know that sounds crazy and I sound like a rabbit. It was fun. But <laughs> in any case, I realized I was like allergic. I don't know if I was allergic to the lettuce or like maybe some of the, I don't know, whatever they spray on it. I started getting psoriasis on my hands. I realized it was probably contact dermatitis from the lettuce, like mind blown. So I stopped. I was like, I got to find something else. And so that's when I found cucumbers and I never looked back. What was your favorite lettuce? Mine is iceberg. And I love, like, I could just have, like, I'll do like salmon sashimi and I make the the Japanese like ginger dressing and cucumbers and iceberg lettuce. It's so good. But sometimes I find that I don't handle the the lettuce as well. And it, there's been a lot of like negative press in the last few years about lettuce as well. Like people always think that you get, you know, bacterial infections and things from, from eating meat. But a lot of times it's actually lettuce. Like there were, th- I think it was a year before last, there were like three deaths from E. coli and lettuce and stuff. So I don't know what's going on with it, but I've, I've definitely been, haven't been having it as much as I used to. If you want to talk about controversy, and I won't tell the whole story because it's a tangent, but I will just say, listeners, look up the history of why, look up the history of milk production and raw milk and pasteurization. Bill uh, Schindler. Yes. Yes. Mind blown. We both interviewed him. I think we must have both interviewed him. I remember listening to the interview you did with him. It was really, really good. And I, I loved having him on the podcast. I loved his book. He's one of my top 10 like favorite guests and just in terms of like class and humility, kindness, he's just brilliant and and so, so down to earth and nice. And I, I learned so much from him. Same. He's amazing. One of my favorite episodes. It, there's just so much shocking stuff. There's a- Really disturbing. It, like really, really disturbing stuff in the milk industry that was happening. And then, I mean, disgusting stuff. And then on the flip side- the demonization of raw milk. Like there's been like, he puts the stats of how many illnesses there's been contributed or deaths to raw milk compared to, I mean, it's just shocking. It's like almost non-existent. (laughs) And like one of the top causes of death now is like, like over the counter medication and stuff or yeah, (laughs) but it's just, it's just crazy. Yeah. Accidental death from, from I think it's like number three or number four is like accidental deaths from healthcare. I could be wrong. I thought complications in hospitals was number one. I don't know if it's number one or number two. It's up there. It's really high. 
I'm going to bring this party home. The reason I brought up the, the reason I brought up the cucumbers because <laughs> I got to come full circle is because when I started growing cucumbers, the first time, well, a I was like, these things are alive. Like these things are alive. Like they've got like not thoughts, but they, like they are. <laughs> Like they're like alive. Like they're like they have personality. <laughs> and, like, and the first time I like picked my own cucumbers, I was like, I feel like I'm eating something like not conscious, but it was an experience of how do I wrap this up? I think plants are very much alive as well as our animals. And so I find it really interesting. And this would be a whole nother conversation for another day, but it's like, again, going back to the circle of life, like the plants die as well when we eat them. I'm just putting that out there. And they were alive. <laughs> so, <laughs> and, when, oh wait, and when you eat them, they're alive. Like I like, they're still, <laughs> I feel like they're still alive when you're eating them. Okay. Now I'm done. It's really interesting. You said that. And I, I don't know if you've ever interviewed Dr. Gerald Pollack. I think he's one of the most brilliant. Yeah. He's, absolutely brilliant paradigm shifting scientist, but he discovered exclusion zone water. And he believes that one of the best things we can do for our health is to eat foods that have a lot of water in them because like plant foods that have a lot of water have, he says that it, it's, some of it is exclusion zone water that's made in the plant. So I think there's like a vitality or something. I, I get what you're saying about eating like a fresh cucumber. Like <laughs> But I think it's hilarious that we both love them so much. I just feel like, not that plants are sentient, but I mean, if you like think about, I mean, they, they sort of are, they like, they like signal to each other things. Like, I don't know if you can go down rabbit holes. I'm just picturing you like petting the cucumbers and like telling them, you know, compliments and like your, your tendrils are looking so beautiful today. No, I talk to them. I like play music for them. They like Lana Del Rey. Okay, my goal is to grow at least one cucumber by the end of the summer. Yes, get an arrow garden. We'll do it outside for sure, but if you get an arrow garden, you can do it indoors and it takes care of itself and Luca can like play with them. Yeah, that'd be a fun educational project for him actually. Hi friends, I'm about to tell you how to get 20% off one of my favorite things for truly taking charge of your health, including testing something we talk about all the time, your insulin levels. So to live your healthiest and longest life possible, you need to understand what's going on inside. Inside Tracker takes a personalized approach to health and longevity from the most trusted and relevant source that would be your body. By using data from your blood, DNA, and fitness trackers, Inside Tracker gives you personalized and science backed recommendations on things that you can take control of to optimize your health. What I love about Inside Tracker is that Inside Tracker tests provide optimal ranges, not conventional ranges, for over 40 biomarkers, including magnesium, vitamin D, testosterone, cortisol, ferritin, which is the storage form of iron that is rare for doctors to test, ApoB, three key female biomarkers, and something I am so excited about, Inside Tracker recently added insulin testing to their ultimate plan. Friends, I am 
thrilled about this. We talk about insulin all the time on this show. It is so relevant to your metabolic health and your lifespan. In particular, insulin tracking is an early warning sign for several chronic diseases and is a key indicator of energy optimization. It can really let you know if your diet, if your fasting is working for you, you want to test your insulin. It is so hard to get doctors to test insulin, and now you can do it with Inside Tracker. The thing I love most about Inside Tracker is that they have a strict science-backed approach to everything they do. If your specific biomarker level is unoptimized, Inside Tracker actually provides recommendations that are backed by dozens of peer-reviewed studies and personalized to you. This process was set in place by their founders that include experts in aging, genetics, and biometric data from Harvard, Tufts, and MIT. And for a limited time, our audience can get 20% off their ultimate plan, which includes testing that insulin when you sign up at insidetracker.com slash IF podcast. So if you're ready to get a crystal clear picture of what's going on inside your body, along with science-backed recommendations to optimize what's not working, then visit insidetracker.com slash ifpodcast. And one of the things I really love about Inside Tracker is it helps you track all of your results, all of your tests over time, so you can see patterns, see your history. It makes predictions of where you'll be if you continue on your current trajectory. It is a game changer for making sense of your labs. I am obsessed with Inside Tracker. Again, you can get 20% off their ultimate plan, including testing your insulin levels at insidetracker.com slash ifpodcast. And we will put all of this information in the show notes. So on that note, <laughs> shall we shall we get into some questions for today? I would love to. We have our first question from Alyssa and the subject is probiotics and supplements. I know there are a lot of benefits to a probiotic supplement. When do you all recommend taking a probiotic or any other supplement? Oh, I didn't I totally missed that she also had any other supplement. That's a big question. <laughs> I did research for just for probiotics. So, this is really interesting because I thought that there would have been like when I sat down to research this and I had researched it historically, I thought there would be like a ton of studies. I was like, oh, this will be easy. I couldn't find that many. There are not many studies looking at the timing of probiotics, which is very interesting. I did find a really good one. So this was published in, it was a while ago though. It was 2011. And what's interesting though is I did find like another article or journal or something talking about probiotics. And I was like, oh, another source. But then it was just referencing this one. I hate it when that happens. Like, I think I found something new, but then it's all just going back to this one thing. This study was called The Impact of Meals on a Probiotic During Transit Through a Model of the Human Upper Gastrointestinal Tract. It was published in Beneficial Microbes. And what they did was they looked at a probiotic that contained four different strains of probiotics. And I wonder if I should define probiotics. I'm sure most people are familiar with what probiotics are. Basically, they are bacteria, microorganisms that can beneficially modulate our own GI system. And some of them are natural to humans. So some of them are like naturally in our system. Some are actually not natural, but still natural. And, and what I mean by that is like the lactobacilli strain, for example, that's often found in dairy products. 
it's normally a member of the human GI tract, but it's not actually from us. Like we have to get it from food compared to the bifobacterium bacteria. Most people tend to have that, if that makes sense. It's a really subtle nuance, but there is a slight difference there. Then of course, there's the whole strain of gut microbiome bacteria that we have that we can't get from probiotics. Also, and I'll circle back to this, probiotics There's a thesis surrounding dead versus living probiotics because studies have actually found that dead probiotics can still have a beneficial effect on our health, which is really, really interesting. I've been fascinated by that. But what's really interesting about that is, so I actually found a a study by Professor Colin Hill, and he has a paper talking about the definition of probiotics. So that study is called the International Scientific Association for Probiotics and Prebiotics Consensus Statement on the Scope and Appropriate Use of the Term Probiotic. That's a really funny title. That was last updated in May 2023, but he actually makes the case that a probiotic must be alive when administered. Otherwise, it doesn't count as a probiotic. And I think that's really important to keep in mind because if we do see that dead probiotics are having a beneficial effect, we might think, oh, it doesn't really matter if they're alive or not because they can be dead and we'll still see a beneficial effect. It's probably different, not different mechanisms of action, but if it's a dead probiotic, basically you're still having an immune response to it. And so that might be a reason that there's a beneficial effect, but we're probably getting benefits from alive probiotics in and of themselves. So there's probably something to that. So coming back to the study, They looked at two different types of lactobacilli, as well as a type of bifidobacterium that I just mentioned, and then also Saccharomyces boulardii. And they put the probiotics, they gave them to the participants at different times, either before or after a meal. They also gave it with different things. So like milk versus milk with oatmeal versus apple juice or water. So some of the takeaways they found was that... They found that probiotics given after the meal did not survive as well as probiotics given before the meal. An exception was Saccharomyces boulardii was not affected by the meal timing or what you had it with. And Saccharomyces boulardii is actually a yeast. It's not a bacteria. Oh, and interestingly, in interviewing Isabella Wentz for her new book on adrenal fatigue, she talks a lot about the benefits of Saccharomyces boulardii. But then they also found that, so probably better to take it before. And then as far as like what to have it with, lactobacillus strains seem to do better when they were in the presence of glucose. And they think that that might be because they actually use glucose as a source of fuel. So that's why it probably did better when they were with the milk and the milk and oats. Oh, wait. They also found that protein content of the meal in particular didn't really seem to affect anything, didn't really seem to affect survival rate, and that fat did seem to have a beneficial effect. So their conclusion was for non-enteric coated bacteria probiotics, and so to clarify, some probiotics come in enteric coatings, and those actually help the probiotics survive the harsh conditions of the GI tract. So for ones not in enteric coatings, it's probably best to take them just prior to a meal or with a meal containing some fats. And my thoughts on all of this 
is that I like to think about it from sort of like an evolutionary perspective. So how were we getting these beneficial microbes in the natural world? So lactobacillus and such we would get from obviously like milk and dairy products. That like is the food, like it's with the food. And then the bifidobacterium and stuff. Also, I feel like it would be when we're eating. So to me, it makes sense that it would be, you know, like right before a meal, with a meal, compared to afterwards. The long story short, I personally, when I take probiotics, and I throughout my life, I've taken a lot of different ones, and I usually take them like right at the start of the meal. And then I did find one other study. It was called Effect of Lactobacillus Raminose and Bifidobacterium Longum on the Healthy Gut Microbiota Composition at Phyla and Species Level. This was a 2017 study. They did one month of administration of both of those bacteria, the Bifidobacteria longum and the Lactobacillus rhamnose. And they found that in both the preprandial and the postprandial groups, so they were comparing before and after, that both of them led to a significant increase within the study participants of their gut bacteria. So they basically found that both strains were able to colonize the gut taken before or after a meal. So all of that to say, I would take it with meals, err on the side of earlier, just know that there's not there's not a ton of data out there. I thought there would be more. What are your thoughts, Vanessa? I think you covered the question so well. I love the recommendation of taking it with meals. I'm a little bit skeptical about probiotic supplements because of our stomach acid kills off so much of it, as you mentioned. And if you are taking a probiotic, please make sure that it has enteric coating because if it just has a vegetable capsule, it will just dissolve in your stomach acid. Like our stomach acid is like 1.2 to 2 pH. It could dissolve almost anything. (laughs) So I also know that although I'm more so a fan of getting probiotics from whole foods, like yogurt, fermented foods, I think especially fermented foods, some of that can also be killed off by the stomach acid. So it might be beneficial to supplement actually in that in that case with a probiotic that has an enteric coating. I'm also a little bit skeptical because I've heard from different experts that people have been taking so many probiotics now that it's actually causing more so the opposite problem <laughs> of bacterial overgrowth in the intestines, like things like SIBO, issues like that. But I'm definitely not an expert in probiotics so and, and gut bacteria. I think there's so much that we don't know and that we're still learning about. So it, it probably won't be too harmful to, it'll probably be more beneficial to supplement with some, some kind of probiotic if that's something that you want to do. I personally am not supplementing with one right now. I get probiotics through fermented foods and through yogurt, which is also a fermented food. And it's just, that seems to be working for me right now. I also believe that your gut microbiome naturally shifts and adapts to your diet, which is really fascinating. Like they've done research where like people who are eating carnivore diets, they have a completely different microbiome that's shifted to just like helping you process just animal protein. Like it's, it's so fascinating, endlessly fascinating. But I think that the research that you looked at on the timing of it just answered the question 
perfectly. So those are just some of my opinions. I'm glad you brought that up about the stomach acid. And interestingly, so in one of those studies that I was talking about, they talked about that specifically, and it's the lactobacillus strain, which is one that people often have like fermented dairy for. They're actually intrinsically resistant to acid, particularly in the presence of glucose. So I think a takeaway for that is like if you're having a fermented dairy product, which would have you know, a little bit of glucose from the carbs, it's possible that that is surviving. So I think if people are having like fermented dairy, that maybe that condition sets it up to survive, you know, the journey naturally, like the natural probiotic. I I agree. Like, I just think there's, it's just a huge like ocean, like we just don't even know what all is happening. And I think a lot of people do. I mean, I personally had small intestinal bacterial overgrowth, which was like the bane of my existence. It's all confusing. And I definitely think, I'm so glad you emphasized the role of real foods because I think a lot of people turn to pills as like a fix-all. And I think starting with diet is key. Yeah. And there's something to be said about, like, I'm a big fan of intuitive eating, not in the sense of how it's typically used, but in the sense of connecting to your body and listening to your body and listening and paying attention to your cravings and what you are particularly inclined to eat. And, you know, there's, I'm a huge fan of yogurt and dairy in general for improving body composition. It's an excellent source of protein. It's an excellent source of calcium and it's also got probiotics in it. So I'm a huge, huge fan of of fermented dairy. And it's so great to learn that it's particularly resistant to stomach acid. Have you taken soil-based probiotics before? I haven't. I know there's a lot of buzz about them, but I haven't tried that yet. I have in the past. I've tried all different things in the past. Something else to consider too is some probiotic strains are more histamine producing than others. People who have like histamine overload issues might benefit from low histamine strains. So like lactobacillus are known to be higher in histamine. I think it would be super beneficial. And I know that you you and I think Jen have talked in the past about this maybe really beneficial to get an assessment of like what's going on in your gut and see, you know, what experts think of the strains that you have. Some of the most fascinating research that studies the actual like types of gut microbiota have found that humans and animals that have a higher amount of Firmicutes bacteria tend to be more obese, and those who have a higher amount of bacteroides are just naturally more lean. And I know that like people have, I think there's been studies done with like fecal transplants, and that that kind of bypasses the whole stomach acid issue as well. But I think that there's a lot that we could potentially learn from that because I think there's actually studies where they did transplant the bacteria and the obese mice became lean when they had more bacteroides. So, I mean, imagine if it was that simple, that it was just like, oh, you've got the wrong, you know, gut microbiome ratio for mucidus of bacteroides. So I think there's, there's really promising, it's a really promising area of research. I think this is huge, especially people debate like calories in versus calories out. You know, a different person with a different gut microbiome, they could eat a certain food And because of their gut microbiome, the gut microbiome could determine how many calories they extract from that food and ultimately store. It's sort of like there's some tribe, some indigenous tribe where they 
they eat like a really high bulk plant diet. Their gut microbiome specifically can pull more calories from that in a way. There's just so many factors involved with weight loss and weight gain. And I think the microbiome is a huge part of that. Yeah. I'm exciting to see what the research discovers in the next decades. Me too. I feel like we probably shouldn't answer. I mean, because you also want to know supplements in general, but that's just, (laughs) yeah, there's a lot of supplements. So um, if you would like to know about a specific supplement, definitely, Alyssa, definitely write us back and we'll address it. Hi, friends. This episode is brought to you in part by AG1. Some of our listeners have really had wonderful experiences with AG1, and we wanted to highlight some of them on the show. Mary Jane says, I feel better on days when I open up with a scoop of AG1 and a scoop of Cynthia's creatine powder in some Anna Lemma water. I find that I make better slash healthier food choices after and when I've experimented with a CGM or continuous glucose monitor, my blood sugar is more stable overnight. That said, we are all individuals, so what works for me might not be your jam. My husband originally got AG1, but once I added creatine and Anna Lemma, it was a game changer for me, really. I've noticed increased energy, less brain fog, and more REM and deep sleep too. If you would like to take ownership of your health, today is a good time to start. Athletic Greens is giving you a free one-year supply of vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. To get this incredible offer, just go to Drink ag1.com slash ifpodcast. And once again, the link is drinkag1.com slash ifpodcast and check it out. Now back to our show. Our next question is from Grace and it comes to us from Facebook and she asks, what's your favorite black coffee brand? I'm ready to try some other things besides Starbucks, Dunkin' Donuts, Folgers, and Maxwell. I would love your personal recs. Kindly, Grace. Okay, coffee. I'm excited to talk about this. I know we talked about this a little bit before. Do you drink coffee in the mornings? I usually do. The last month and a half, I have gone off coffee and I'm just doing ginger tea, but I am a huge coffee fan. How historically did you ever, like what was the most coffee you were drinking? Like did you go through really intense coffee times? in your life? I only ever did. I never drank coffee except for when I was in university because I had to stay up all night sometimes to study. And then I never drank it. And then when we moved to Prague, it was the hottest summer on record. And we had this like 40 Celsius day at, I'm sorry, I don't know what that is in Fahrenheit, but it's like, can't think hot. And we had some friends visiting and we went to this cafe and I was like, just bring me anything with ice in it. And they brought me an iced coffee and it was the most delicious thing that I had ever had. So I've been learning about coffee since then. So I definitely want to chime in on this after you answer, because I I have some, I have a, a bit of a different take, I think. Oh, I love it. Okay. The times I was drinking the most coffee was definitely in college. And I like shudder thinking about how much, like, how was I survive? Like, how, how did that not like just kill me? Like, caffeine. <laughs> so I drank a ton in college. And then after graduating, I would, I did the bulletproof coffee for a little bit. Did you go? Oh no, you did because you talked about it in your book. Yes. It was a part of the keto craze. Oh yes. Did you do um like butter or MCT oil? What would you do? I was more the MCT oil or the powdered MCT 
And I really like that combination. I still I still do it sometimes. Actually, I have powdered MCT that I still put in my coffee sometimes. Oh, when I do that, it makes me really hungry, interestingly. Yeah, I haven't noticed that. It, I usually find that it has a warming effect because, and interestingly, especially like in the abdomen, because I think it has a thermic effect and it's signaling the mitochondria. So I'm, I've been experimenting with it off and on in the last couple of years to see what happens. But yeah, MCT has really interesting reactions in, in people. <laughs> yes, I know it definitely does. Did you do the butter? when I? So when I first did it, I read, going back to origin stories, I'm trying to remember if I like read Dave Asprey's Bulletproof Diet book first or if I was listening to his podcast. I just remember, I remember in like 2012 when I first discovered Paleo with Rob Wolf, also around that time I was finding Dave Asprey's stuff and I I printed out his bulletproof diet from his like his chart. Actually, I think it was like on his website. I printed it out and I made this like thing on my refrigerator and I made it like Mulan themed, like because her transformation scene. So I put like all these Mulan stickers and I was like, I'm gonna do the bulletproof diet. And like it was like a thing. <laughs> Cause you know the opening scene in Mulan where she like Yeah. <laughs> That's so cute. Oh my god. Oh, good times. And so that's when I was experimenting with bulletproof coffee. And I would put, I would get the grass-fed, like, Kerrygold butter and, like, do it. Yeah, it was was fun. It was a fun time. That's when I started getting really cognizant of the role of clean coffee, mostly because of how much Dave talked about it with, like, mold exposure. So I started drinking bulletproof coffee, the brand, because he was just so intense about mycotoxins and coffee and his own mold exposure experience. And then the irony, the utter irony of all this is this is the time period that I was living in a mold infested apartment and didn't realize it. And I really think that that did a huge number on my health. But in any case, so I, I've been drinking the Bulletproof brand since then. So over a decade because I trust him with it. Basically I have recently switched though because as of like a few weeks ago, and I think I talked about this on a recent episode, I don't know if he sold the Bulletproof brand. I'm not sure what happened. Something happened. It's no longer his brand. So he has a new coffee called Danger Coffee, and I just received it. And it's a remineralized coffee, which is super cool because, you know, coffee can be like it can be demineralizing, I believe. And so it has added minerals in it. I am loving it. And what's really interesting is I hadn't heard about it until I read his new book, Smarter, Not Harder, and then interviewed him. I talked about it in my Facebook group, and I got a lot of comments from people who love it. And people were asking for coupon codes. So that's my new coffee brand. You can actually get a discount if you go to melanieavalon.com slash danger coffee and use the coupon code melanieavalon. I think it would actually make a really good present for people because it is a little bit on the pricier side. So this would this would actually be a really good present for people. It's funny. My, (laughs) one of my assistants randomly was emailing me. She was like, if you ever need birthday gift suggestions, I would love some danger coffee. I was like, okay, I got you covered. All that to say, last thing about the coffee. And then I'm dying to hear your, your experience. I actually, I literally just have like a sip of coffee now every morning. Like I basically, I don't drink a lot. I cold brew it. I leave it in the fridge all week. And then I just have a little bit in the morning. And then I also splash it on my face. Do you do that? Have you, or <laughs> I don't know why I asked it like you would, because I feel like nobody does this. This sounds like a Melanie thing. <laughs> <laughs> well, 
cool because like, you know, there's all these like skin products and they're like tightening. And I realized that caffeine is often a compound in them and or, and or there's all these like face products where it's like with coffee. And so I had a moment one day, I was like, I'm just going to put coffee on my skin. And um, (laughs) it works so well. Like, so like you, I wash my face and then I like, I, I just splash it all over and it, I feel like I probably absorb some of the caffeine through the skin. <laughs> I need to research that a little bit, but it's tightening. I feel like I get the antioxidants. I mean, I'm sure I get the antioxidants. So, I mean, some people do coffee enemas, like you're putting it on your face. So, you know, oh, I do those too. I figured. <laughs> <laughs> I've heard about them a lot, like in clinics and stuff, but it's, I'm a huge fan of coffee because as a sport nutrition specialist and someone who studies biochemistry, it's one of the only scientifically validated supplements that is effective. And it's effective for a lot of things. It's an ergogenic performance aid. So it's wonderful for performance if you're an athlete. It's also wonderful for fat burning and lipolysis because caffeine stimulates adrenaline and noradrenaline or epinephrine and norepinephrine to be released into the bloodstream, which then can dock on the receptors on fat cells, the beta adrenergic receptors on fat cells, which then releases fat into the bloodstream. So it's a fat burner. And it's why all those like fat burner pills and things, which I definitely discourage, but they always contain caffeine because it's scientifically backed ergogenic performance aid and also fat burner. So I love it for a lot of reasons. I really got into it, like I said, when I had it in Europe. And I think it's because the coffee is better here. Like I'm... I don't know what it is, but I think my recommendation, and this is not going to be for everyone, but I started noticing that I enjoyed the coffee when I'm in Europe. I don't enjoy it as much when we're in the US or Canada. And I think it's the way that they process it here. So they have really good machines. So several years ago, I invested in a home, like, barista coffee maker. And I have found that it doesn't really matter so much which coffee beans you're using, because if you look at the ingredients on all the different brands, they're all using the same thing. It's like Arabicana or what is it called? Like the actual coffee beans, it's all the same. And Pete and I have gone to coffee, like actual coffee farms in Tanzania and spice farms. And it's just all the same beans going to different brands, factories with different packaging, right? But they all have the same beans. So I think what it comes down to is how it's processed. So because I have a home office, I invested in this and Pete and I use it every day. And it basically, you put the coffee beans like in the hopper in the top and then it, it grinds them. So it's fresh. Every time you make a coffee, it grinds them grinds the beans. The beans stay fresh because they're in it like a insulated chamber. So you're getting fresh coffee each time, freshly ground, which you could also just do at home with a coffee grinder. And then it's being put into like the actual machinery, which at a high pressure extracts all the like oils and things. And I make a 
coffee with a couple shots of espresso and then add hot water. And it's so good. It's so like, it just hits in all the right ways. And it's just like the right amount of bitterness, the right amount of like oils, the right everything. And it doesn't really matter the kind of beans that I put in there. <laughs> I think it's more about the processing. So that's just kind of my my opinion on it. If you're really big into coffee and you're wanting to try something else, maybe sometime in the future, I would suggest like looking into the way that you're processing it. Like, are you freshly grinding the beans before you make your own cup and then like turning that into coffee? You don't have to invest in like a whole like legit like setup like I did because I'm a little bit crazy (laughs) about my coffee. But I also think coffee is great if you're a busy person because it can help in the morning to just like get that BM like out of the way and then you can go on with your day. And some people find that that's, you know, not necessarily good to like rely on caffeine for that. But if you're someone who is busy and you're going to be out and about and you want to actually like have your bowel movement in your home, like it can be really helpful for that as well because it kind of like expedites things. So I like it for so many <laughs> different reasons. And I've been taking a little bit of a break and just kind of like noticing because I think it's good to switch things up from time to time and just see how you feel. And I actually had coffee for the first time in about a month, Sunday and yesterday, and it made me a little bit too anxious. So I think I have to like crank down my dose to maybe like one shot because after being off of it for a month, I think my receptors had downregulated a bit. So it's also just interesting to notice like, cause today I was like, I think I just don't want to feel that way today. So I'm going to just go back to my ginger tea, which I've been doing for a month and a half. And I'll probably go back, you know, to the coffee, but just doing a little bit less espresso shots in it. So that's my, my, all my thoughts on coffee. (laughs) I love it. I'm glad you brought up. I as well always get the whole beans and grind them myself. I think it's better for freshness. Also going back to like the mold and the the issues with that, I think that's much less of an issue with, with the whole beans. And interesting about the anxious reaction. Well, first of all, it's really nice when you are not on a high normal dose of caffeine or coffee, because it's like a tool in your back pocket where like if you have a day where you just have to like like for example when I was getting my Taylor Swift tickets and I had to wake up at like 8 a.m which is not my time and I was sleep deprived and I had two shows I pulled out some coffee and it was like bam (laughs) it's like magical so it's nice to have it in your your back pocket that way I do wonder as well if sometimes people getting jittery or side effects from coffee if it is like the mycotoxins or, I mean, it it probably is primarily the caffeine if they're not used to it. I get very concerned about non-organic coffee and the the compounds that might be in there. And like Danger Coffee, for example, it's not certified organic, but like I trust Dave in producing it and he's really big on the testing. And they even say on the website that they go above and beyond the testing of like normal testing standards. And actually I've learned a lot about that creating supplements because we're looking, we're working on our next one, which I don't know if I'm allowed to like announce it yet. By the time this comes out, probably. Okay. So we're working, (laughs) we're working on a, um, a chlorella and a spirulina and it's been really interesting. I'm so excited. We've been looking at different sources for it and like some are 
certified organic and others aren't. But it's like stepping back from that. If we ourselves go and do all the testing on our own, in a way, I trust that more than because we can go above and beyond just what the organic certification would, you know, assure. So I love organic. I always err on the side of organic. And I think if you really trust the producer, it's possible that there are non-organic things that could be even better than, quote, organic. So that's a whole tangent. One last thing, though, to end on, are you going to come to the Bulletproof Conference with me? <laughs> it was so funny because I was talking to Dr. John Lemansky today, and he's he's a really good friend. He's with uh, Heads Up Health, and he's, like, he's known as a biohacking MD, and he's just a, an amazing person. And he's like, you know, we've been talking about trying to meet up for so long. And he's like, I'm actually going to be at the biohacking conference. And I was like, no way. <laughs> I'm like, oh my gosh. What are the dates again? I feel like, you know, at least if it, if it's not this year, it, it has to be at least next summer. But what are the dates again? Yes. So it is, oh, and to answer your text in real life, I, I don't know him. Vanessa texted me asking me if I knew him. It's June 22nd through June 24th. So when this airs, it's 10 days away. June 22nd to July 4th? Wow, that's long. June. So June 22nd. Oh, okay. I was like, whoa, this is like a month-long conference. (laughs) Oh, man. Yeah, I was like, is this like a retreat? Can you imagine? Yeah, that's a long time. Two, three days max for me at an event like that because you just like are interacting with so many people. Yes. June 22nd through June 24th. Listeners, please come. I am actually going. This is like mind-blowing. This girl does not travel. So come see me if you're there. And I I have discounts for people. So it takes place in Orlando, June 22nd through June 24th. So many speakers, obviously Dave Asprey. A lot of people I've had on my show, my other show, like Dr. Mercola, Max Lugavier, the Bioptimizers guys, tons of people. Somebody I'm about to interview, I'm really excited about, Molly Maloof. Yes, same. You're interviewing her too? Yes, it was supposed to be this month, but it it was when we're traveling, so I think it's going to be early next month. But yeah, I'm looking forward to to chatting with her. So that's great. She's going to be at the conference. Yeah, she's one of the keynote speakers. So I'm really excited about that. I'm excited to like finally just meet in real life all these people that I feel like I know. It's going to be very exciting. Conferences are so fun. I haven't been to a, one of these, like a health biohacking keto. I've never been to one. Oh, you're going to love it. And you're going to be – you're going to have to pace yourself because you're going to – so many people are going to come talk to you and want to get photos with you and and everything. It's, it, yeah, <laughs> take breaks. I cannot go all day every day. Like I, I just can't in this conference situation. So I'm going to, I'm going to be kind to myself <laughs> and have boundaries and go to when I am most thriving, which is like not early morning. So I will not be at the early morning speaker things. I'm sorry, but listeners, please come. You can actually get 40% off tickets, which is crazy. Just go to melanieavalon.com slash biohacking conference. Use the code MA40MA40. And if you do come, Facebook me, come to my Facebook group, IF Biohackers, or DM me on Instagram. I would love to meet people. It's going to be so fun. Vanessa, we have to manifest going to something at some point. 
I know. I I know we will. And I'm so excited for when that happens. (laughs) It'll be so much fun. I know it'll get easier again in the future you know, right now with Luca being so young, it's, it's hard. I still breastfeed him. So, you know, it, for me to be a part, it's kind of like we're a unit right now. <laughs> the three of us are a unit. So we either go everywhere together. There's a biohacking conference. I was invited to in Europe in September. And I just like, it's like either I go by myself and Pete and Luca are on their own, or, you know, we all three of us go together. Pete and I, Pete came with me before when I spoke at a a different biohacking event in Finland, but it's so different with a, you know, with a one-year-old. So I know that this is like a season in my life and I'm enjoying it so much. Like I never want it to end actually, but it's not a season where I'm also prioritizing like speaking, but I know that that season will come around again. So I am like excited to be able to go to events again. And because they are, they are truly so much fun. Like the connections, you know, getting to interact with people so much in real life because so much of what you and I both do is online. And it's also very much like a one-way medium. So having like the Facebook groups is so helpful, but when you actually get to, to connect with everybody in person, it's just the best. Well, I'm so excited. And I want you to know that I completely support you in your the current season of your life. I really want you to come. And I also understand why it's not probably not the time. Yeah, thank you for understanding. But we'll see. Completely. I mean, look at me, like me going. I'm probably just going to go to like the evening stuff. So, okay. Well, this has been absolutely wonderful. So, a few things for listeners before we go. If you would like to submit your own questions for the show, you can directly email questions at ifpodcast.com or you can go to ifpodcast.com and you can submit questions there. And these show notes will be at ifpodcast.com slash episode 321. They will have a full transcript as well as links to everything that we talked about. So definitely check that out. I think this will be the last time that I mention it. Last chance to enter to win over $500 worth of clean beauty and safe skincare from Beauty Counter, which we love. You can check out the products online at our links, which is beautycounter.com slash Melanie Avalon or beautycounter.com slash Vanessa Spina. But if you write a new Apple podcast review or update your current Apple podcast review and include what you're enjoying having Vanessa on the show, and then send a screenshot of that to questions at ifpodcast.com. We will enter you to win over $500 worth of Beauty Counter products. So I'm going to make a note of when this airs so I can actually draw a winner shortly after this. But yeah, I think that is all the things. Oh, you can follow us on Instagram. We are ifpodcast. I'm Melanie Avalon, and Vanessa is Ketogenic Girl. So anything from you, Vanessa, before we go? No, I enjoyed this episode so much. It flew by again in like two minutes and I can't wait for the next one already. I know. I feel the same way. I just, I'm just having so much fun. So I will look forward to next week. I will talk to you then. Talk to you then. Thank you so much for listening to the Intermittent Fasting Podcast. Please remember, everything we discussed on this show does not constitute medical advice and no patient-doctor relationship is formed. If you enjoyed the show, please consider writing a review on iTunes. We couldn't do this without our amazing team. Administration by Sharon Merriman. Editing by Podcast Doctors. Show notes and artwork by Brianna Joyner. Transcripts by Speech Docs. And original theme composed by Leland Cox and recomposed by Steve Saunders. See you next week.